today on It's Time. And you'll find sometimes that the Holy Spirit creates in us as believers a sensitivity for other people's. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So follow along as we join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Acts, chapter 4. What an interesting change, you might say, for the believers of Christ. Walking in the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, the boldness of the Spirit. You know, they thought they could wipe out Jesus by killing him. Jesus rose from the dead, empowered his disciples, and now his disciples are acting just like him. I like that. Because that quick, quickly, you might say, multiplies what Jesus endeavored to do. You know, see, Jesus was... He said, greater works you'll do than you've seen me do. How could that be? Well, Jesus was in one place at one time. But what's really neat is when Jesus lives his life through all of us, God's in a lot of places at once. Well, as we look at this tonight, we're going to see some absolutely wonderful things in this chapter. God's power in the believer's life. Peter, John, they're getting ready to go in the temple to pray. As they're going in, there's a guy begging He's crippled. He, he's always been crippled. And, and the Bible tells us that he fixed his eyes on Peter and John expecting to receive something. You see, he was there in the temple because he was a beggar. That's all he could do. And the Bible says that John Peter looked at him and he said, they said, look at us. And as he looked at us, he, he, this guy was expecting to receive something. Never expected this. He said, silver and gold we don't have. But such as we have give you, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the guy leaps up and starts walking. Well, this guy's life immediately changed. And because his life immediately changed, he went into the temple with Peter and John. The people all want to know what happened. This is the beggar. This is the guy that was out, you know, trying to uh, panhandle. And now all of a sudden he walks. So Peter begins to explain as he saw the crowd. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit in the believer's life will always have an eye for the kingdom of God. And so here's this crowd gathering. This guy's been healed and Peter begins to preach to him. Well, it would have been nice if that story ended there. But the problem is, here comes the cops, okay? Let's pray. Father, tonight as we read your word, we ask you that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. And God, that we would see that your same Holy Spirit that we're reading about in these pages is the same, very same part of your love, your heart that wants to be involved in our lives right now. And so as we read, may we be inspired, may we be motivated in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 4 continues the story of Acts chapter 3. And so it starts off and it says, Now as they spoke to the people, and again, because the crowd gathered, because this guy 
had been crippled, and now all of a sudden he walks. Everybody wants to know, what happened? You know, a bunch of looky-loos coming along, and they're saying, whoa, what's going on here? Well, he says that the, as he spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Now, this is significant because... Um, they saw a disruption in the temple. You might say the temple cops came to check out what Peter and John were doing. Notice who they were. They said they were Sadducees. Now, we remember in the, the um, belief uh, in, in Judaism, there was the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in life after death and, and angels and supernatural things. The Sadducees, on the other hand, did not believe in life after death. They just believed that Judaism was a very good moral way to live your life. But there was no life after death. When you're dead, you're dead. There was no angel, supernatural things, anything like this. Now, when you see a living miracle, because, again, they didn't believe in the supernatural. They just, again, believe it was a set of rules and guidelines that you would embrace Now, all of a sudden, here's a miracle that has just happened. This goes into the supernatural realm. This is something that didn't agree with the Sadducees' philosophy and their belief system. And it says, so they came upon them. And being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. This is why they were bummed out, is because they didn't believe in life after death. Well, now you have a living testimony of the power of God. This guy that was once crippled now is standing on his feet. And so they laid hands on them, and this wasn't laying hands on them in a good way. This was grabbing them, literally, and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. And according to... Jewish tradition, they could not have a trial at night uh, unless, uh, unless it had to do with money. But if it had to do with life and death, these kinds of things, they had to do it in the day. And it's interesting, they violated their own laws when they tried Jesus by night. So you see the hypocrisy in their lives. And so you might say they had misguided religion was the problem here. Well, it says, however, verse 4, Many of those who heard the word believed. So they must have laid down some pretty powerful testimony there in the temple before the temple cops come and grabbed them. And it says the number of the men came to about 5,000. Now we remember 3,000 were saved earlier. Now we have 5,000. We see the church growing in power. And again, friends, that's the way I really believe the Holy Spirit um, and what he wants to do in our lives is to be a light and be a testimony for what God wants to do. It came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, and, and it might say they're scholars, those that would be those that would write down all the things that happen, as well as Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. So they all came in, you might say, to interrogate John and Peter. Now, a couple of things here. These are the same two in particular, as we look here, Ananias and Caiaphas. These are the same two that pronounced the judgment upon Jesus for him to be crucified. What I think is amazing here is probably at this point, John and Peter did not know that they would not meet the same crucifixion, you might say, as Jesus did. 
I mean, after all, they had a kangaroo court going against Jesus. And so here's just another episode of it. And so it says, Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, these two very powerful people were there as well. wanted to share this with you. It didn't deter Peter and John from their testimony. Now, this is one of the things that we have to look forward to in being spirit-filled as a believer in Christ. That when the pressure is on you, the Holy Spirit rises up within you. Now, that's important because a lot of times there are certain things in our lives that we can prepare for. You know, we, we, you know you're know, you going to have a test in school. You do, read all the books. You do everything you can do and you're ready for the test. And they give you the test and you go, what's this? No, but they give you all the, the, the tests and you prepared for it. And there's certain things that we can do. There's certain preparations we all take every day. We have spare tires in our car. Preparation for in case we get a flat. But here in this particular case, when we live uh, our lives in Christ, there's a lot of things that happen that we have not had preparation for. This is where I believe, friends, the Holy Spirit not only uses what we know about Him, but supernaturally gives us His wisdom to meet any demand that is placed upon you and me. That's pretty neat. And and I believe that as we go along in our world, in our society, I think dependency upon the Holy Spirit is going to become more and more of an issue in us, in our belief, in our faith in Christ. Because again, we cannot just live the status quo. What I did yesterday, I'm going to do today. Because every day is going to present new challenges. Now remember this. I'm telling you this now. In the days to come, you will have to rely more and more upon the Holy Spirit for daily guidance. Because things will not be a status quo. It's not going to be the way it's always been. Because we know things change. And it's sometimes that can be very discomforting because we like our cuff, our cushy world. You know, we like, you know, I like to know where everything is at. I'm a very organized type of person. I like everything to be where it's at. Now, I'm not really a very organized person. But I know some of you are. But nevertheless, we all like to... In, I, I, I have a mess in my garage. But it's an organized mess. I know where my junk is. Nobody else does, but I do. Well... What I'm saying is that we like some type of organization in our life. And when things change, it becomes very discomforting oftentimes for people. And I want you to understand that in the change in things that happen in our lives, don't let that take away your peace that's in God. You see, Peter and John, they were just going into the temple to pray. They, 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 the Lord moved upon them. This guy got healed. And now all of a sudden they're under interrogation by this very same people that crucified Jesus. What I'm saying is that it didn't change their relationship with God. It didn't change, you might say, their boldness either because God gave them the boldness how to react when under pressure. And so it says, and when they had set them in the midst, so it tells me that there was a gang around them, set them in the midst. You know, they, here's a chair, you sit in it, and everybody circled around you, firing at them. And it says, when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now, you can probably think they were already probably very concerned that, uh-oh, it's Jesus again. <laughs> They should have known they couldn't keep a good man down. Well, 
Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, if you like to underline things in your Bible, you might want to underline filled with the Holy Spirit. Because this goes out of what we could prepare ourselves for. And this went outside of what you might say Peter and John were prepared for. Now they find themselves just doing a good deed. healing. You know the old saying, no good deed goes unpunished? Well, they heal this guy in Jesus' name. Now they're in the middle of an interrogation. Instead of them saying, wow, that's really great. This guy that was once lame can now walk. This is wonderful. Now instead, their reaction is, oh, jealousy is a terrible thing. And you would think that religion and faith is exempt from those kinds of, you might say, emotions. But it's not. In fact, as we study scripture, you'll find jealousy is probably more rampant oftentimes in religion than it is anywhere else. Remember the anointing of God that was upon King David, or maybe I should say David, the next appointed king. And remember Saul's insane jealousy of him, insomuch that he sent his army out trying to kill David, rather than taking care of the borders of Israel, and their borders became overran. And that's one of the things that David went out then and began to retake a lot of the territories that Saul let fall into the hands of the enemy, Because Saul's focus was in the wrong place. You see, he was so self-consumed, and you might say so full of jealousy, that he misplaced, you might say, his focus of what his purpose is. Well, so, they're in the circle, and they're being interrogated. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for what a good deed done to this helpless man... By what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all. See, they're probably from Texas again. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Wow. A a living example of the power of God. Now notice the words that he used. He wasn't soft-pedaling, saying, well, you know, you guys, you know, you, you kind of did some mistakes. And they, No, he said, whom you crucified. He went, you might say, for the jugular. He went right for, because, see, and you'll find sometimes that the Holy Spirit creates in us as believers a sensitivity for other peoples. And oftentimes you'll find the Holy Spirit will create a boldness where we sometimes have to call something for what it is. Now, a lot of times, we like the idea of Jesus being a bridge builder. But sometimes we don't like the idea of the Holy Spirit coming upon us and saying, Hey, your lifestyle or what you're doing is wrong. The reason why is because it appears to be offensive. But better it be offensive and repentance come than to neglect that challenge from God and let them die in their sins. So being... Under the, you might say, the influence of the Holy Spirit. You know, everybody knows what under the influence of alcohol is like. You don't talk good, you slur your words, you wreck your car, you can't drive well. You know, all kinds of crazy things. We know what being under the influence of alcohol is like. But being under the influence of the Holy Spirit is something that is different oftentimes than we ourselves even picture ourselves. And so you find now Peter and John in boldness saying, Whom you crucified, nailing it right to these guys who stood over Jesus in his trial. He said, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, 
Let this, this man stands here before you whole. Now, verse 11 is an interesting verse. Because there's a lot of stories. In fact, there's even... Um, the, the story has it that when they were building the temple, there was a, a stone that was set. They didn't know what it was for. It was cast aside. And then this verse has some insight on it. It's found in Psalms 118. And by the way, a lot of people don't know about 118. Psalms 118 is a very unusual chapter in the Bible. Do you know why? It's the middle chapter of the entire Bible. There's 594 chapters before Psalms 118, and there's 594 chapters after Psalms 118. You say, why is that important? Well, it happens to be Psalms 117, the chapter before it, is the shortest chapter in the Bible. Psalms 119, the one right after 118, is the longest chapter in the Bible. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Now, if you add 594 to 594, you come out with the number 1188. You say, why is that significant? Well, it's funny that when you add those two together, you get 118 and an 8 on the end. What happens to be the middle verse of the Bible? You got it. 118.8. Isn't that weird? And what does 118 say? It says it's better to trust in God than the confidence of man. So the very center of the Bible says, trust God, don't trust man. Something else that's interesting about Psalms 118 is where this verse appears that we're reading now in which they quote to these people who judge Jesus. And it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven which men... Excuse me. Verse 11, it says, The stone which the which, which was rejected by you builders has become the chief cornerstone. That verse in Psalms 118 is one of those verses... That is, speaks of Jesus. The very center piece of all of the Bible, they cast aside. Now, this, the cornerstone of a building was really important because the cornerstone determined where the building would be. It was that that all the dimensions and everything were shot off of. We oftentimes talk about surveyors and things like this. Well, the chief cornerstone here in Psalms 118 and also for us here in Acts 4... Uh, verse 11, says that the very chief cornerstone, the very most important thing of the building, the builders rejected. Boy, is that dumb or what? Well, that's what they did to Jesus. And so he says here, nor is there salvation, verse 12, in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Wow. Now, you thought John 14 was pretty pointant. Here's another one. Let's read it again. Because here's why. You need to know the God's Word. Because have you ever been around people that say, Well, you know, all paths lead to God. Cuckoo-cuckoo. <laughs> Do they? Well, they may lead to the God of this world, but they don't lead to eternal life. This is the problem. This is why... 
the homogenized, you might say, ecumenical mentality of a world religion that we find spoken of in the book of Revelation in the last days is why we as Christians cannot embrace, you might say, a world religion. Well, everybody worships the same God. It's just that, you know, he uses a different name. No, that's not what the Bible says. And so because of that, we cannot, if we're faithful to God's word, cannot embrace other religions. And you say, well, how do you know your religion is right? You ever wonder about that? You ever look at the difference between Christianity and all the other religions of the world? All the other religions of the world, it's a work trip. Got to get out there and own it. Get busy. Wear blue, go door to door, eat organically grown foods. You know, all the different lists of stuff they got for you to do to get right with God. What does the Bible say? All we have sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our, way, our, way, our own way. And God has laid on him, speaking of Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Jesus paid our price. Isn't that great to know? So it isn't, it isn't something I've got to do. It's just something I've got to receive. In other words, God's done it all for you and me. All God wants from you and me is just to receive the gift that God's given us. The Bible talks about being clothed in his righteousness. That means wrapping his righteousness around you. What does that imply? There's no righteousness in ourselves. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to wrap something around us. So what does that tell you? It tells you that our righteousness is not of ourselves. It's something that is given to us. How do we receive any gift? The Bible says the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we receive any gift? How do we do that? You take it. (laughs) If somebody gives you something and you don't take it, then really it's not yours. If somebody offers you $100 and you don't take it, do you have the $100? Not necessarily. At least it's not on your person. Well, it's the same way it is with Christ and faith. God offers us eternal life, but it's only ours if we take it. That's why the Bible says God so loved the world. He gave his life for everyone. But not everyone wants to receive that. So, it's not then by works of righteousness, lest any man would boast, the Bible says. It is by a divine movement of his Holy Spirit that allows you and me to go to heaven in faith. I like that. What did I do To earn eternal life. Nothing. Would you and me ever be good enough to go to heaven? Nope. Why? Well, because the Bible said it's not within man in all of us to live righteously. What is it saying? We're all rascals by nature. So how does that change? Well, the Bible says we put on his righteousness. You might say God then speaks to us. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.